the fan. Saturday morning, you are in the zone on the fan. I'm Dave Sinekin, joined by my partner, the professor of hoopology. He is a gopher legend and an NBA champion. And he is Double T, Trent Tucker in the house. Good morning, partner. Good morning, baby. How we doing on this fine, frigid Saturday? Uh, you know, things are good. Excellent. No need to complain, right? With uh, six... NFL playoff games looming over the next a couple days and change. I don't know why you would complain. That's true. If uh, if you're us, if you're me, and I have nothing to fear. I have no panic. My yeah. blood pressure is just on par. Well, Pulse you know, rate is good. It should be up based on what the Wild did last night. They scored a lot of goals, right? Huge explosion at the X. Nice. I mean, did I read this right? Two goals in four seconds? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, Three and 135 or something wait, like that? Wait, two and four seconds? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Boldy scored one, and right off the faceoff, Zuccarello just stole the puck, came down, shot, scored. Boldy. And, yeah, Matt Boldy, yes, wild top wild prospect. Yeah, it was final was 7-3. to three. It was supposed to be a wild game, but a low-scoring football well, game broke out. Yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> is uh, Kaprizov back? Yes, Kaprizov is back. He played last night, looked Amazing, had a few incredible assists. So rumors He's of back. his uh, demise were greatly exaggerated. That's right. All right, good to hear. You know, Matt Dumba said, you know, even though it was unfortunate that he had to take this break because of the COVID situation, but he believed that, you know, during this time, it, it gave some guys to heal up and get some rest, and, and now they're looking forward to uh, to continue this uh, what, a three-game winning streak now? Three games now. Yeah. And in, in March, they're going to play like every other day, so they better enjoy the rest while they got it. Yeah. How do I let you kidnap the show like that? Isn't next Saturday hockey day? Why do we have to talk hockey right out of the gate? Well, Don't we have enough hockey on this it's station? It's a preview. Going it is? Next week, yeah. All right. Can we be done? Well, I mean, you scored two goals in four seconds. No, that's, that's I mean, that's I mean, has it ever been done before? No, but I get it. But you know, nine twenty, we maybe bring that up. You know, I don't oh. think right out of the gate that that's like 
But were you watching? I suppose you were watching, right? You weren't watching uh, <laughs> Warriors Bulls or anything like that last night. You were watching. Well, anytime you score two goals and four, yeah, that's three. impressive. Yeah, that's very impressive. I was watching Illinois Michigan, thinking, why didn't Illinois play like that against the Gophers? I mean, they looked terrible against Michigan until the final four or five minutes. They finally woke up. Okay, took care of business. Who won a game. Illinois. Illinois won by fifteen, but Michigan was playing without Dickinson, their big guy against Coburn, and they hadn't played in like ten days because they were out with COVID stuff. Uh-huh. And they're in Champagne, so I just figured Illinois was going to just annihilate them. And it was like a four-point game at half, and it was still a four- or five-point game with five minutes to go. You might ask why I care. You could probably read through the lines. But they won by 15, so all was what right. What was the game at? Champagne? It was in Champagne. Okay. Correct. Champagne or a band? That's what I had on last okay. night. Right. Uh, meanwhile, my thought was to start the show with the NFL today. Well, I, I know you were little, talking about the Green Bay Packers. It's 8.05. Your blood pressure is low. Well, no yeah, anxiety. it's nice to not have to Aaron do it today. Aaron is going to be healthy by the time yeah. he plays his first game next week. Zadarius is back. Whitney Merciless is back. Randall Cobb is back. Billy Turner is back. Sure. Yeah, no, that's all good. We'll do the, a lot of that next week in our mm-hmm. truncated one hour in the zone next sure. Saturday to make way for uh, something called Hockey Day in Minnesota. As we were talking before the show, can we start the drumbeat for basketball day in Minnesota? Can we make that happen? Why not? I understand it's the state of hockey, but for a lot of us, it's also the state of basketball. Okay. Uh, I'm going to make that a mission. Well. And we're going to do a three-hour in the zone on that, that day. We're going to go no crazy. No from me. All right. Okay. I don't know how I make that happen. i got to wake up the ghost of George Mikan somehow and make that work. Okay. Um, the Vikings cleaned house this week. The fan has learned. We were not surprised by this. We talked about this last Saturday. We both thought that this was how things would go, that that uh, both Spielman and Zimmer, after years of faithful, uh, loyal service, um, have been shown the door to uh, make way for uh, new leadership in uh, in Purple Land. So it's such, this is always such an odd week if you follow the NFL because, in part, you're really excited about the postseason and the fact that we've now got 13 playoff games over the next uh, you know few weeks, six of them this weekend. But the matchups and the teams seem to take a back seat this first week for all the change and all the turnover. There are now eight coaching jobs up for grabs, and it's kind of a free-for-all. Like, who's the hot name? You want to get him before somebody else gets him. But when it comes to the Vikings, you know, it sounds like they're doing things the intelligent way, which is find a general manager first. Okay. And let that general manager have a large say, if not the main say, in who the head coach is to follow that person's vision. And um, the interviews have begun. I think I think the first one might be today. Um, most of them are virtual. Some will be in person. I think I read that the Minnesota native, Monty Osenfort, who is the um, Tennessee player personnel director, I believe he's going to be in today or at least will be interviewed today. Um and he's the oldest. He's 43. So the group that they are looking at are, young. for the most part, young, diverse group, uh, four people of color, one woman. She'll be the first uh, woman to interview for a GM job in the history of the NFL. Fantastic. That is Catherine Raich, the uh, VP of Football Operations for the Eagles. Uh, there has been a GM, a female GM, back in the 80s for the Eagles. It was the owner's daughter, um, Susan Toes uh, Stenser was the GM for the Eagles, I think, just for a year. But she didn't have to interview. Her dad just said, hey, honey, you want the job? Yeah, yeah. Dad. Yeah, so, why interview? so she didn't have to interview. So the Vikes will be the uh, the distinction of the first to bring in uh, a woman to uh, take over their football operations, Catherine Raich. So uh, uh, good luck to her. That's a great step. You know, it might just be a first step. I say that because she's only been with the Eagles since 2019. 
And prior to that, she was a tax attorney. Okay. I thought that was kind of interesting. So she's just kind of getting her feet wet. It sounds like she might be on a path to be a GM, but just two years in the league feels like a little a little soon. Um, but, early. but you have to start somewhere. She'll get her first interview. And maybe just like Mike Tomlin did with the Steelers when we thought, well, he's not going to get the Steelers job. They hire one coach every 50 years, and he's only been the coordinator for a year. But he blew their doors off when they met with him, and maybe that'll be the case with Catherine Raich when they uh, when they meet up uh, this week at some point. Um, the other name that caught my eye was Elliot Wolf, the uh, New England personnel consultant, son of Ron Wolf, longtime Packer, um, front office guy who went to Cleveland when he did not get the job. He was a finalist in Green Bay. They passed over him to bring in Gutekunst, and I give Elliot Wolf zero chance to get this job for one reason. Okay. I just think nepotism is kind of that dirty word right now in the Vikings organization uh, among many, that there's certainly been a lot of guys that have gotten jobs because they're a son, they're a nephew, grandson, whatever it might be, and I'd be surprised if... Is he uh, good? Well, I, nobody really knows. Okay. I mean, he's you know, well, he, I mean, he's been in New England now for a few years I mean, after so being in Cleveland. Of all the other names that you have mentioned or will mention... I mean, you, you maybe not can't you, you probably can't answer this question at this at this stage. But where would he stack up against all the other people who they may bring in to talk to? Yeah, and he might again. He might just be the guy, right. and, and I mean, they're so, not going to say, "Well, you're Ron Wolf." Some right. Robert. I mean, I, I don't think that should play a factor. It should. You're right. In the grand scheme, it shouldn't, and there, nobody would ever say I mean, it would. I, only thing that should that should be a factor here is whether you believe the people that you're interviewing are good enough to do the job. Agreed. That that should be the, that should that should be the determining factor. It shouldn't be about whether he's a family member of somebody over here or whether it's, it's based on race or gender. It should be all based on, on whether this person is good enough to do this job based on what we have seen you know, doing this interviewing process. I understood. I agree. It's just that that's been kind of a dirty word of late in the Vikings organization because coaches have risen up the ranks to maybe even coordinator roles based on their last name, maybe more so than their resume. Uh, but just been the story not just in football. And not just in sports, but hey, hello, in the corporate world in, in America, that's kind of how things go. Well, we understand. Yeah, we, we, how we, many attorneys we, have gotten jobs because their dads yeah, we were a partner that. and all that? Well, yeah, we, yeah we, we all know that. But, I, but you know, if, if we're going to change how, you know, how we do things and how we see things, you know, at some point in time, somebody's got to step forward and say, we're just going to look at the best person and, and, just, and do what we think is right for our team and try to move away from, saying we have to hire this person because of this or that person because of that is because we haven't done this in a very long time. No, I mean, I've always been in the camp is that you want to see everyone, you know, from all walks of life, if they're qualified to have a chance to interview for a certain position. But at the end of the day, that should not be the reason why you give this person a job. Yeah, no, I've, I feel you there. Um, talking about the coaching moves this week, uh, the concerning thing I think for all of us or for many of us is that there is now one African-American head coach in the National Football League, and that's Mike Tomlin. Mm -hmm. um, David Culley in Houston got fired after one season. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Brian Flores gets fired in Miami after three seasons, which seemed really surprising in light of, you know, he didn't um, pick Tua. You know, the GM picked Tua over Justin Herbert. He engineered a team after a 1-7 and seven start, 2-7 and seven in a row. Tua played well during that time. He did. Yeah. And that organization certainly seemed to be on the rise, and that team was playing hard for him. So I guess what still rankles is, you know, why don't a lot of African-American coaches get the same length of rope as other coaches? And why, why does a David Culley, 
who goes into Houston in that absolute mess with Deshaun Watson sure. and, and has a team that played pretty, okay, they won three or four games, but pretty competitively and ended up their quarterback was probably the second-best rookie quarterback of the lot, and he was a third-round pick drafted after Kellen Mond. Mm-hmm. So, and he's 66, and he's waited his whole career to get a shot to be a head coach, and his players played hard for him, and he's out after one season. And you wonder, you know, that's a white coach? You going to do the same thing? I hope so, but it, it bugs me, and I think it bugs a lot of people. Well, I, you know, at, you know, uh, at times, this is, you know, how comfortable are you with a with a person in a certain position? Yeah, and we, and we still have those things taking place today. You would like to see a change, you know, but people in power still have a right to make a decision on what they think is best for them. You know, we all. We all don't have to agree all the time on some of the things that they do, but when you're in those positions, you have the right to do what you like to do. No doubt. That, yeah. that organization, though, is an absolute mess, and I I don't know what coach would want to go down there and take that job. Now, for Cully, I think he was paid $24 million. Over four years was his deal, and he'll get paid that money. So we're not crying for that situation. He's set. But for a hard-working coach who's given his whole career to try to get a chance to run a team, to get one season, you know, and the Packers did it to Ray Rhodes too. Oh yeah, you know, back in the day, you know, an eight and eight season, and he was out. And again, you know, just, but the next guy came in was a Sherman. I think so. And did went yeah. eight and eight, and he stayed around. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, but it's if you don't own the team or you don't own the business, you're always at the mercy of the people who are in charge, and that's has been that way since since day one, and it's still. Exists in the day's time. I mean, you would. We all would like to to see things change. Uh, I mean, but you know, it is what it is. And I've always said, you know, if you're if you're lucky enough to get a high position type job, I mean, that's a blessing in itself. And we don't all have to. I mentioned before, we all don't have to agree on how things turn out at the end. But we know that going into this business, sometimes that's how these things work out. No doubt. Um, I wonder where where this Vikings job is perceived among the ones that are open. Bears and Giants are also looking for GMs. The Bears seem to have their quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vikings and Giants probably do not. That has to weigh into things. But then you also weigh in, you know, an ownership group where Chicago's ownership group is seen to be just lost. This Vikings ownership group seems to be competent, patient, um, loyal to the guys they hire, more stable. Um, but then you don't know what you're doing with your quarterback. You know you've got a roster full of all pros, but a lot of big-time free agents to be, a lot of things to think about. So I wonder, you know, as, as the GM prospects are looking at their options, um, where the Vikings fall on the list. You know, New York and Chicago, huge markets. Not that we're a tiny market, but obviously compared to those two, much smaller. And that, you know, weighs into there's a little less pressure probably than, than in the Chicago, New York, where it's all-consuming. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. I'd like to think... Maybe not by this time next week, but I would think in the next 10 days they're going to settle on someone. Maybe it will be in the next week. Maybe somebody does knock them out, and at the end of the week you've got a new GM in place, and then the uh, the search for the coach starts in earnest. And you know they have a list of coaches, right? There's there's a group of names. We like that, to assume they do. That, right, that they, they're like, we want to talk to them when the time is right. right. Um, so the time could be right right now. It could. And I think that the, um, the general consensus, as I've been reading and – learning is you're probably going to get kind of an anti-Zim, you know, it's sort of a roller coaster when you hire coaches, uh, younger, more player friendly, you know, as opposed to Zim. Hearing some of those veterans talk about, you know, especially Eric Kendricks, right, talking about you know, the atmosphere in there and, and the, um, 
there was no collaboration. It was us against them, offense versus defense. Um, that they're going to find a coach that doesn't operate that way. That right, that's yeah. that's more like we are a team, um, and that's got young ideas and and different ways to connect with players. That's just the way the things go in the hiring mm-hmm. process. I'll be surprised if the person they hire is older than say forty two, forty three. Okay. How about well, so much younger? Well, you want to make sure that the person you bring in, you know, that he or she, you know, are good enough, you know, to to manage a team, run a team, put a team together and get players to buy into what you're trying to get them to do. And and it doesn't matter what age you are, you know, do you have the ability to connect? That's the most important thing. I go back to the Giants when they brought in Tom Coughlin. And he came in with the no-nonsense attitude, doing things a certain way, old-school mindset. It, it ruffled the feathers of guys like Michael Strahan and some of the other veterans. But they sat down at some point in time and had a conversation with him. And he was able to adjust. And he changed some of his ways to make sure that he could put a system in place that was going to fit the players. He kept some of his principles, mm-hmm. but he knew that he had, he had to change. And coaches have to adapt on a daily basis. They have to adapt because personnel is always changing among the players that they coach, and you have to have a guy who can manage a team. And I go back to Phil Jackson. Many people say, well, he always had the best players. He had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. He had Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. For sure he had those players. But before he took over those teams, those guys had not won a championship. And he was able to connect the dots among his best players along with the rest of the guys on the team. That's what coaching is all about. No doubt. And that organization's really struggled since he left the door. Three coaches in the last, I think, six or nine years. It's not worked out well. Um, last on this before we break, I, I don't like the way Zimmer left the house. I don't like the way he left the building, left the organization. From the Kellen Mond comments um, after Packer week to not letting Justin Jefferson get the receiving record, which is just what you do in a meaningless game, to not addressing the team after he was let go. Um, you might be bitter, you might be hurt, you might be upset. You put that aside and put your ego down for a second and stand up to those men that have given all they have for you over the last eight years, however long each guy's been here, and you spend five, ten minutes, and you be a gentleman, and you be a mensch, and you, uh, you, know, you leave the right way. I was disappointed in Zim that he did not meet with the team on the way out. Yeah, That's just not a good look. Well, right? it, it, you know, he is who he is. And he's an old school guy. Maybe he is bitter about certain things here or there. Um, the players complained about him. They didn't like how things were ran inside of his organization. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't think the players were doing what they were supposed to do. So there's always two sides to a story. You know, because just because players don't like a coach, sometimes the coach don't like the players either. Yeah, now, I get it. I, and I agree with you that, yeah. you know, you should man up and own up and say, okay, and thank the organization on your way out. But – Zim did it his way. He felt like that walking away and not talking to anybody was the right thing for him to do. But you and I don't have to agree with that. I don't think anybody agrees with that. I don't know how you can't agree with that. It's just not the way well, you I mean, cause it conduct had, you yourself. Know, it, like you said, you know, in the meaningless game, he didn't let Justin Jefferson get the record. Well, in the meaningless game against the Milwaukee Bucks, Jimmy Brown could care less if I won a three-point shooting title or not. It still rankles, and, doesn't it? But, no, but, you know, it, it comes back to it's a, it's a mindset. You know, these guys were in a certain mindset, and to them, in the meaningless type game, an individual record for one of their for one of their players 
they could care less. Right, but that shows you're not connecting with today's athlete. Right, so, and so it's, maybe it's time to move. That's why it was time to move I mean, on. Green Bay shouldn't right. have had Devontae Adams on the field in a meaningless game against Detroit, but getting the Green Bay receiving record and beating Jordy Nelson was important to Adams and, and Rodgers and the offensive line and his teammates, right, and, and they on, kept him out there. And the organization felt like it was important to them as well. But it should be, and right. that, that's a big deal. Right, and, yeah, but actually everybody thinks different. Yeah, you well, know, Matt LaFleur is a young guy. How old is he? He's probably 40-ish. Yeah, he's a young guy, so he thinks differently. But I guarantee if it may have been a guy who was 65 or 70, come from old school, I said, no, nah, I'm just going to sit you down. Some, not all. No? Not all. But I, I hear you. Yeah. All right, we'll pause here. Uh, let's start weighing in on the playoff games. Two today, three tomorrow, one Monday. It's the first ever super wild card weekend, and uh, five of them are rematches. We will chat about what we can expect this weekend when we return. The Fan. Twenty-five on a Saturday morning. You're in the zone. Sinekin and Tucker. Close caption to the emailer who just uh, sent me a note to the uh, Bradshaw and Brian inbox complaining that we're not talking Timberwolves. That's why he listens to us. We got two hours, man. We don't always lead with the Wolves. Some people don't tune in till nine and we're already on NFL talk. I like to slip it up and mix it up a little bit every now and then. Playoffs start today. Vikings had a big week. NFL feels like the lead Please be patient. We will get to the Wolves and the NBA before we're done. We understand on which side of the bread our toast is buttered. Is that the right way to say that? That sounded really kind of complex. But I think you know what I mean. Yeah. I appreciate you listening, uh, KK. Uh, we will get to the Wolves, I promise. Um, but it's it's wild card weekend. I, I understand the Vikes are not in it. And for some, that takes a lot of the enjoyment and excitement out of the playoffs. I get it. I've been there. It's been a while, but I've been there. Um, God, I'm such a jerk sometimes, aren't I? Why can't I help myself? You're just Dave. That's I just, I, you're just Dave, you know? I've learned to live with that for 26 years. The, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, emails yeah. have been, the, the emails have been negative to me already this morning. Emailer Lee, no, not Lee. Walleye Scott. All right. Anybody with the name Walleye Scott is not going to be a guy that likes me. I'm just guessing because, you know, it's not an outdoorsman. But he sent out, you know, need more Trenton hockey talk, less of Dave. That came out early. I love it. So it's in the, <laughs> in the instead of in the zone, what are we, in the uh, crease. We'll be in the crease. The puckology. I came up with that. In the, that's a word, right? The crease. Yeah. Little puckology. Little puckology. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I grew up in Milwaukee. Hockey just wasn't a thing. It just wasn't, uh, you know, I did go to one Milwaukee Admirals game, I think, when I was a kid. Friend had tickets. And you're not a Badgers fan. And I'm not a Badgers fan at all. No. Um. Although, that team this year, that Badger team, they might be the best team in the Big Ten. They, they really might. Yeah. Johnny Davis is the leading candidate for player of the year. He wasn't even on the top 25 list to start the season. Okay. He's, a, he's a man. Um, anyway, we will get to some Gopher Hoops talk as well. Uh, they're back in action against the Hawkeyes tomorrow. But I want to start with some football because we rarely start with football. 
And the playoffs start today with a couple of games in the AFC, beginning with the Raiders and the Bengals. Now, as I said, cutting into the break, six games this weekend, five of them are rematches, which is unusual. And I've been hearing a lot of statistics about wildcard weekend, Double T. And of late, last four or five years, the road teams actually dominate this round, which I was really surprised to hear. And I, my memory's terrible, so I don't remember like you do. You can go back to 84 and think about a game in <laughs> January in Cleveland, where I was, you know, again, I could probably remember dinner last night, but lunch would be a stretch. Okay. So um, five of these six games are rematches. The only one that isn't is the Cowboys 49ers, and we'll get to that one because that's the game of the weekend in my mind. Uh, but it begins today at noon, no, at 3.30 with uh, the Raiders at the Bengals. And it, it seems like every year that first Saturday that's game. That's an interesting game. It is to me. Yeah. For a lot of people, they look at that and go, oh, God, that's the perfect early first game, Raiders-Bengals. I mean, who wants to watch? I want to watch. Did you watch that Raiders-Chargers game, the way that thing ended? I did. Was that not incredible theater, the the final whatever? What, what was the coach from the Chargers thinking? Well, I, calling the timeout? Yeah. Probably, but because they were just going, if, if if the game ended in a tie, both of those teams make the playoffs. I still think the Raiders right. were going to kick a field goal. I don't think so. If they had gotten into field goal range. But you know why? Run the clock out. But you know why, Double T? Why? If they had tied, the Raiders would have had to go to Kansas City this weekend. Okay. Instead, they go by winning, they go to Cincinnati. Now, I, I know that guarantees nothing, but right. we all know if you have a choice between playing a Bengals team I don't think they that has it. not won a playoff game since 1991, the longest streak in the NFL. Yeah. Or you go to play Patrick Mahomes. I, I think that does fact. And you have the best kicker in the AFC. Well, I, I, catch, you him, I catch him early. You got the second best kicker in football. I catch him early. Yeah. I catch him early. I If I'm going to criticize the Chargers coach, I'm going to criticize him for just not being able to stop the run when you know they are not going to throw the football. And the Chargers have been terrible against the run all season. But in this situation, just stop the run. And then they can't kick a field goal. If Jacobs doesn't break that last run for like he, 12 you don't yards. Call yeah, and maybe if yeah, maybe that's true because it looked like, I think it was Austin Eckler was after the game was being told by a Raider player, you could see his lips like like really you were gonna you were gonna take a knee like feels like that conversation was had, um, and the Charger coach panicked on a couple of levels. Uh, but what theater? The way Justin Herbert converted fourth down after fourth down, just I think it was five out of six fourth downs. Yeah, in that that last drive, it was just I can't remember being more riveted to a regular season football game than, than I was on Sunday night. And then you get the national championship the next night, yeah. which also was great theater, and he hated to see that Bama receiver go down. And when he did, I had a feeling things might change a little well, bit. Well, and also, you know, in that, in that game, Bama scores, you know, off of the turnover, get up by five. And then the first three possessions by Georgia, there was no pressure from Alabama. They yeah. kind of went to a, like a prevent defense, and all of a sudden the ball was down the 20-yard line. You know, I thought at that moment Alabama took their foot off off the pedal defensively. And when they did that, they could not recover. They, they gave Georgia all the momentum in the last 10 minutes to win that football game. If you just watched the first quarter of that game and turned it off, you probably figured Alabama won by 30. Georgia looked so like oh, Alabama headlights. just couldn't score inside the res, the res zone. Yeah. They, just, they, they were down there. They controlled the game throughout, but. When you can't cash in and get seven, only get three, you allow mm-hmm. that team to stay in the game. And I just felt like that when they went up, it was 18, 13, I think it was, off of the turnover. And then the pressure from the defense on the next three possessions by Georgia, they were not there. 
and Georgia moved the football down the field very easily, got themselves in position to score. And I felt like at that moment they took all the momentum away, you know, from uh, from Nick Saban and the uh, and the Alabama Tigers. Thank you, right? That was the turning point. And then three fourth quarter touchdowns just put the exclamation point on a national championship. Their first in forty years. Um, all right, back to the first game: Bengals Raiders. Um, the plucky Raiders that nobody expected to your guy to get where they Derek are. Carr. Derek Carr. Yeah, all he, he does is, is right. get his team in position to to surprise you. Um, most people are not giving the Raiders much of a chance in this one, and I don't. I wouldn't count them out. I wouldn't either. They did play early um, earlier in the season in Vegas, and while the Bengals beat them like thirty-two to thirteen, that was not how close. The game was much closer than that. I remember watching that game. It got a little fluky at the end. Um, I, I think the Raiders have a really good chance to compete. I, I'm gonna. I think the Bengals are gonna escape and move on here, but I don't think this one's decided till late. I just. I love Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is going to be a superstar in this league. He's tough. He's a leader. Uh, his guys play for him. Yeah. And obviously, if you they look take at it protecting, well, yeah, that's huge. That's you know, a that, major question. You know, remember back at the draft, everybody was criticizing Cincinnati for taking Jamar Chase and not an offensive lineman to protect Burrow. And I don't think too many people are questioning that. It's funny how you never hear back. You know, it's like when the when the Pack took AJ Dillon. How could you not take a receiver? Why would you take a running back? No one's criticizing that move now. And the same thing in Cincinnati. Chase was an absolute brilliant receiver as a rookie, uh, every bit as dominant as J.J. was in his rookie year. And you got T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon. Um, yes, the line is a bit of a question mark, and they're going to have to figure out what to do against Max Crosby, who's become one of the great young pass rushers in football, and he'll be a problem for Cincinnati. But uh, that home field advantage is big in Cincinnati. They've been waiting a long time to host a playoff game as division champs. And I'll be really surprised if they blow this opportunity. I, it feels like a field goal game, though, to me, like 27-24. I forget in my uh, in my blog, theheadcheese.com, I, I previewed all the games. It gave scores. I remember I don't remember what score I picked, but I know I picked the Bengals in a close one. What, what do you think in this one? Well, he, I believe Cincinnati will win, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Raiders find a way to steal this game because – when you look at how Derek Carr has been playing, he's been playing some really good football. The team seems like they are gelling together after the ordeal with uh, with John Gruden, and they have they have come together. You know, and down the stretch, they had to put up, you know, some some energy and some effort and get some big time wins just to get themselves in, into this position. It's, it's a team that is hot right now. They they have confidence. They have nothing to lose by going into Cincinnati. I believe the Bengals will win, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Raiders walked away with the victory. Do you think that Raiders coach has earned the job, Rich Bisaccia? I believe so, but you never know. I mean, he has done a very good job of keeping these guys together, getting them to focus on football and not and not just you know deal with all the stuff on the outside. Because when you have outside distractions eating at the fabrication of your team, you know your players can go south very quickly. So with him being in the mix, you know, being close to John Gruden and being able to separate himself during this time to keep his team on track, he has done a great job of doing that. Yeah, I'd, I'd give him a deal for sure, getting him to this point, and you know, forget just the Gruden stuff. Then the Henry Ruggs situation happens, and yeah. how devastating that is to you know his friends on the team as well, and how you lift them up, and and it took them a couple of weeks to get out of that funk, and you have to believe he was instrumental in helping that team try to get past that tragedy. Uh, it's been quite a story, and we'll see if he's earned that that full time job. And maybe uh, how competitive they are today goes a long way into how the Davis family uh, decides to move forward. All right, we got to pause here. We'll come back. Tonight's game is Buffalo New England. 
Uh, a fun uh, divisional rematch. The road team has won in the first two meetings. It's going to be bitterly cold in Buffalo tonight. We'll weigh in on that as we work through the NFL playoff games and plenty of hoops talk to come as well as uh, we roll on in the zone on the fan. On the fan. on a frigid Saturday morning in the Twin Cities. You're in the zone on the fan. Trent Tucker, Dave Sinekin with you until 10 o'clock as usual. Well, as, yeah, as usual. Next week, we're just with you till 9 o'clock. It's hockey day in Minnesota. Extra special Beyond the Pond and lots of hockey programming next Saturday. And Beyond the Pond follows us at 10 o'clock today. For listeners like Walleye Scott and company, fear not. Puck Talk at 10 with Falness and Nicoletti coming up following us. We're talking NFL playoffs and working through the AFC slate of games first. And we just talked about Bengals Raiders. We both like Cincinnati. I think Trent likes the Raiders a bit more than I do. I've got a field goal game for the Bengals. I think it's going to be close. Tonight's game is the Patriots and the Bills. Um, Brett, are we carrying? Is there wild today? Are we carrying? We're carrying both of them. We got both football games. Yep, doubleheader. On the fan. 100.3 FM, Westwood One coverage. Uh, Bills Patriots tonight. Bill Belichick, an underdog in the wild card round. You could probably count on one finger how many times that's happened. It's going to be absolutely frigid, just like the weather was a big factor the first time these met in Buffalo, and that's the game famously where Mac Jones just threw the ball three times in a Patriots victory over Buffalo. Buffalo dominated New England uh, just a few weeks ago in Foxborough, and now they meet for a third time, and uh, the Bills are, I think, four four or four-and-a-half-point favorites uh, to take care of business and move on with uh, with Josh Allen leading the way. Um, but Josh Allen famously hates cold weather. Now, he played at Wyoming, which feels like cold weather, but again, they don't play much beyond mid-November. I doubt it gets really cold in Wyoming. But I heard a report last night, Double T, he's going to have three shirts, and he's really concerned about his toes because his toes get really cold. Yeah. And, yeah, you can stand around the sidelines where the defense is out there by a heater and keep those little pinky. He has some foot warmers, right? Yeah. It, it, I. He, got, he has some stuff that can keep your feet warm. You know, they put some stuff inside your shoes. And they do it for kids when they go outside on the hockey rink. Right. So I'm yeah. sure he'll do all of that, and that should be enough. But I find it interesting that, that he's talking about how concerned he is oh, yeah. about the cold. And Well, that should be uh that should be a slight edge. But I doubt Matt Jones has ever played in anything like this before. He does have Bill Belichick, yeah. and that is an advantage. Right, yeah. All of a sudden, now you're giving Bill Belichick a little edge because the quarterback is now seems to be more concerned about the weather mm-hmm. than the New England Patriots. I think whichever team runs the ball better tonight wins. Buffalo has been awful all season running the football until the last four or five weeks. Suddenly, Devin Singletary has become... It's weird how some of these running backs like Singletary, Rashad Penny... In Seattle, Deontay Foreman in Tennessee, you get these kind of unknown running backs who really took over over the last month. And in Buffalo, they became a running team. And we know Josh Allen can run, and we know that Belichick would love to run all night long. And if it's four or five degrees, a little windy, 
Any snow predicted? I don't think so. I just think it's going to be bitterly cold tonight. Uh, but I love divisional matchups. Off Lake Erie up there. Yeah, it's going to be a typical just cold weather Buffalo game. And um, again, this is not going to be a you know a fun offensive show like I think we expect in Dallas tomorrow. This is going to be defense, run the football, don't turn the ball over. Control possession of the game. And right, and and McDermott against Bel- Belichick, and and who comes out on top? Uh, do you have a expectation, a prediction for this one? I'm going with the upset. Are you? You like the Pats? Yeah. Yeah, that would be. I I wouldn't be stunned. Uh, I I would be surprised. I picked a 2017 low scoring for Buffalo, um, and maybe it's come from behind fashion. I I do think it's going to be really close. Um, And the Patriots are on a three-game losing streak, I believe, right? Correct. Into this contest. But somehow, someway, I I just believe that, you know, you're talking about the weather being cold. You know, if it comes down possession by possession game and, and, Who's the mastermind in a situation like this other than Bill Belichick? Yeah, it's hard to pick him losing a first-round playoff game against a team he knows really well. He may not, he may not have the best team in this matchup. He does not. Somehow, some way, he might get the job done. Yeah. Buffalo is missing uh, one of their best players, Tredavious White, the cornerback who was lost in midseason, and obviously you'd love to have that playmaker for the playoffs. But, uh, all right, we disagree. I'll take Buffalo. You'll take New England. Uh, before we get to the other AFC game, let's – Welcome our buddy Matt from Brooklyn Park and see what he has on his mind this morning. Good morning, Matt. Morning, guys. Dave, I totally agree with you about David Colley. I think it was kind of a disgrace what they did, and it's kind of a shame because now we're back to there's only one black head coach, Mike Tomlin, and so now we have to keep going through that again. It's really a shame how the league and these teams keep doing this. But I would throw Fangio in there as well, that that was kind of a disgrace as well. They threw him out there. Now, his roster was better than what uh, what Houston's was, but they didn't have a quarterback, Locke and, and Bridgewater. So I just don't understand it. Brian Flores, I heard, I'm sure you guys did too, that he just wasn't very nice to people. So I guess I can understand that, and he'll get, he'll get scooped up really quick. But anyway, I also like both home teams today. Tomorrow, uh, Bucks. Um, I like the 49ers, and then, Dave, you'll get them the following week, and the Chiefs, even though I think the Steelers will cover the number. And then, as much as I want to pick a second-road team, which would be Arizona, I can't go against the Rams. I picked them against the Bills in the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year, and I really want Stafford to get over the hump and win a playoff game. But, you guys, if you don't mind, I wanted to throw out one NBA thing, and then you can maybe discuss it when you get there. I know I brought this up last week, but there's actually a Minnesota Timberwolf angle to it now. Detroit Free Press has four Jeremy Grant trade scenarios. One of them that I like was um, – Grant to Sacramento for Buddy Heald and a um, first-round pick. The pick would probably be in the lottery, and Heald's a good shooter, which is what we need. But the Timberwolves one was interesting. It was Grant and Corey Joseph for Beasley, Prince, Jaden McDaniels, and a first-round pick. Now, Beasley and Prince, they're throw-ins. The pick probably won't be that good because the Wolves are better. But the free press highlighted Jaden McDaniels as being perfect for our rebuild. I don't know much about him. Let me know what you guys think about that, and maybe you can fill me in a little bit on what McDaniels is. And uh, good luck with uh, whoever you pick this weekend, Dave, and enjoy the games. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks All right. a lot, Matt. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that next segment. We're going to switch to NBA for a bit, so we'll uh, we'll uh, talk about that proposed deal when we get there. Um, and then again, back back to the coaches as he wanted to weigh in, um, and we got a couple emails about you know people love, loving your take that forget about race, forget about all that. Hire the best person, whoever that person is, and let the chips fall. Uh, that's, in a perfect world, what we all want. But you can't tell me that 31 of the best 32 
NFL coaching minds right now are white, which is currently the makeup of the 32 coaches. Yeah. And again, the, the short string, the short rope that some of these coaches get is, um, is preposterous in my mind. And so um, I just want these guys to get a fair shot. And um, again, the Denver situation with Fangio, George Payton took over from Minnesota, took over in Denver to run the ship. He inherited Fangio, and then oftentimes you see a GM come in, see what that coach is like for a year, and then decide, yeah, you know, I want a different kind of coach. Maybe I don't want the crowd. You know, Fangio comes from the Zimmer school, old school defensive coach. He'll land on his feet and be a D.C. somewhere. He's a great defensive coordinator. But maybe sometimes guys, maybe Flores is the same way. There are certain personality where, you know, they care about their defense. They don't want to do all the other stuff that comes with being a head coach. Yeah. And, um, and you I'm can't saying, be a head coach. Right, then that's just not your job, and sometimes that's okay. You're a great defensive coordinator, a great right. offensive coordinator, but you don't want to talk to the media. You don't want to deal with all the issues that that's come. That's the part of the job. Right, and then maybe that was the issue with Peyton and Fangio. He wanted a different style, a different kind of coach to, to run his ship. Well, when, you, when you're when put into that seat, you know it, it becomes bigger than just coaching. You have to manage all the other stuff that comes with it. And if you're not prepared to do those things, well, this is the wrong job for you. And it's not easy, you know, to manage what 50-plus players and all the stuff that you have to worry about when they leave the facility and the things that could take place outside, you know, uh, of the facility when these guys go back into their social lives and all the distractions that come with it. When guys are not playing, well, how do you get them back up? When they're dealing, you know, with family issues, how do you keep them focused? So there are so many factors, you know, that takes place among the team and it takes a certain mindset to be a head coach. Yeah, and there's a reason that we're seeing coaches be younger and younger, to connect with players with all the stuff that in social media that are part of players' lives now that yeah, coaches understand. never had to deal with before and yeah. making sure these guys understand how to present themselves publicly because they're all out there connecting with fans constantly. It's a much different challenge than it was even seven, eight years ago. Um all right, finally, AFC uh, matchup is tomorrow night. I- I'm not sure why NBC got Steelers-Chiefs as the Sunday night game. That's a pretty plumb time slot for what is the largest point spread in wildcard history. Twelve and a half points, the Chiefs' favorite over the Steelers. They beat them by 21 uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, we all know. Touchdowns. What's that? It's only two touchdowns. That's three touchdowns. That's three Four touchdowns. Points? Oh, the, the spread? Yeah. Yes, but they just beat them by three Yeah, I'm, not, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the spread. It's still, that's a pretty yeah. big spread for a playoff. You know, we went to seven teams deep in each conference, and uh, last year it wasn't as offensive as it is this year. The Eagles and Steelers, the two Pennsylvania teams, um, both kind of crept in. Congrats to them. Nobody expect either of those teams to reach the postseason, and maybe they surprise. Maybe the Bucks uh, get a scare from Philly, and maybe Big Ben has one final act in him, but... Uh, this is the one blowout that I am predicting. I don't see any way that the Steelers and Big Ben can stay. Cl- I don't. I don't think Kansas City's going to the Super Bowl. I don't think they're that special this year. But I do think that this matchup is just completely one sided. Pittsburgh, Najee Harris is not a hundred percent. That's what they want to do is hand him the ball thirty times if they could. Um, they do have T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward. They can get after the passer, but Mahomes can get away from that stuff and. With those weapons, Big Ben can't throw the ball downfield more than six yards right now. I just, this feels like an absolute one-sided affair. Am I wrong? Yeah, I I picked Kansas City to win. Yeah, I'm with you. Not close, right? What's not close? Two touchdowns. (laughs) Let me put it this way. The spread's 12 and a half. I think. If they win 28-14. 
Yeah, then they cover the spread. I think the Chiefs cover the Close spread. Close game for Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> a two-touchdown <laughs> loss in the playoffs is not... Right. Is not Wait, uh, you, you, say, you said Big Ben can't throw the ball no, uh, no farther than six yards. No. Najee Harris really is not 100%. No. So if you get beat... You know, twenty-one to seven. Hey, it's been a good day for you. Yeah, okay. okay. If that's that's how you feel. What are you gonna get? Be sixty to zero? No, I don't expect okay. sixty to zero. Well, I mean, that, that's a real blowout. Yeah. Okay. I uh, wait. Let me uh, let me dial up what I predicted here. It's working okay. out on my phone. You should remember uh, those things. You know. Oh, complete. You're a math guy, 30, marketing guy. I have thirty-five sixteen Chiefs. Okay. Thirty-five sixteen Chiefs move on. The one blowout. I, I see. I see close games everywhere else this weekend, except this one. This okay. one just does not match up well. Okay. Uh, we'll pause here. We still have the NFC to get to, and the Cowboys-Niners, bad signal for Jamar at about 9.30. I can't wait to hear how he's feeling about the game that nobody believes. Nervous. Nobody believes in his team this nervous. weekend. May, Everyone's picking San Francisco. He may not call in today because he's nervous. I, and I would understand if he doesn't yeah. want to, because I would be nervous too. That's yeah. the team no one wants to face, including my own squad. Um, but, but let's come back and switch gears for a bit and talk some NBA. The Wolves... Uh, had dropped a couple on the road that they easily could have won. Uh, they're back below 500. They welcome Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and company into the house tomorrow. We'll chat some NBA when we come back to start hour number two. The Fan. Straight up 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning, you're in the zone. Trent Tucker, Dave Sinekin, working our way through Wild Card Weekend. And we'll detour to talk some NBA this segment as the Timberwolves return to Target Center tomorrow to face, we think, Steph Curry in the Golden State Warriors. Steph, uh, he landed on that right hand. Was it last night or the night before? Well, last night against the Bulls. Last right? night, and, and they, they blew out the Chicago Bulls they, for the um, second time this year. Yeah, they, they blew them out in Golden State, but they beat them twice. They beat them by forty last night. Yeah, um, we can thank the Milwaukee Bucks for that. Yeah, I told you during the break because you didn't hear it. The night before, I wasn't watching. I, I forgot it was on. I turned it on. You? I know. I had. Uh, was forget it poker now. Night? No. It wasn't poker night. I forget what I was are you doing. Guys still doing poker night? We are. Okay. Yeah, Wednesday, that's Wednesday nights. Thursday was one of those rare nights where I had my three teams all playing: the Bucks, the Wolves, and the Hoosiers. Um, so I was just you kind chose of, the Wolves. Or, or I the did. Other two. I, to- I chose the Wolves because they started an hour before the Hoosiers. Um, the Hoosiers, by the way, played a typical Mike Woodson game. Great first half. They're leading in Iowa by eight, and they completely fell apart. And they can't. They can't control the, the ball. They turned it over twenty three times. Forty percent of Iowa's points came on turnovers. Yeah, you got that's so frustrating. Yeah, take care of the ball. And we'll talk some Iowa because they're playing the Gophers tomorrow in, in just a bit. Um, but I just flipped over like, oh, that's right, the the Bucks and Warriors are playing. Double T, I did one of those, you know, the cartoons when the guy's eyeballs become the size of basketballs for a second, they go back into their eyes and become normal. I did one of those. Okay. I turned it on just as they were going to half. I saw Bobby Portis. He had a, a three at the buzzer and do a little shimmy shake after he knocked it down. Yeah. 
You like the way I showed you a little shimmy shake I, there? I like that, that, yeah. that was not made for radio, but you got to see it. That's true. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing or no, a bad thing. No, let's be happy. Let's be happy. <laughs> We're not on YouTube or anything for sure. We've saved you all from that. Yeah, you know. Uh, but the three, I took a video, so I'm, I'm going to post it yeah, later. <laughs> Whatever money you need to keep that from happening, I'll pay you. Um, by hitting that three, the halftime score was 77 to 38. The Bucks over the Warriors. The Warriors. It, it, it was a cold night in Milwaukee. Well, yeah, it sure was for Golden State. Giannis had 23 in the first half. 77-38. Now Golden State came back and made it look, look respectable, but they obviously got teed off because they blew out the Bulls last night, and Curry falls on his hand which the same hand he broke two years ago, and he said afterwards that he had PTSD for a minute. Like, he was really just freaking out, like, almost panicking, like, it's over. But it sounds like they believe he avoided any major injury, and I think he's he's still possibly good to go at Target Center, which I think for, for those that bought tickets is a good thing. I mean, for the Wolves, playing without Curry is probably beneficial, right? Got a better chance to win. But you want to... Is Andrew Wiggins in the house? Uh, future all-star Andrew Wiggins will be playing as well. Clay Thompson, his debut the other day, uh, 17 points in 20 minutes, and showed some elevation and some explosion. He had a great slam where he rose up high, and that's what you want to see after an Achilles, right? It's like, show me a knee injury and everything he's had. Um, oh, he really struggled in Milwaukee the other night. You're going to expect that. Um Reminder for those going to the Wolves game tomorrow, the new mask mandates and vaccine mandates are in place. You must prove that you've been vaccinated or that you've had a negative COVID test in 72 hours to enter Target Center tomorrow and mask up as uh, the new rules in the cities have taken place as we try to keep the hospitals less overrun right now. So that's that. The um, The Wolves will try to snap a two-game losing streak. They got to 20 and 20, and so you're looking at about a 500-ish record if if they go the same way in the second half and boy these last two games double t they could have closed this road trip at four and oh so easily uh but they lost both the um the new orleans game i mean what are you going to do delo hits a shot with three seconds left and you give new orleans one last chance and brandon ingram hits what was that a 30 footer 32 footer uh, you know he was on fire they they their three-point shooting down the stretch was ridiculous so I do not fault the Wolves. They played hard. A, a team they should beat, obviously, New Orleans. Um, what was the final score? They lost by three. It 128, was 128, 125? Something like that? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, the defense was bad. There you go. Uh, the, but the three-point shooting was lights out. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, but your def- you give 120. Yeah, it was not a good defensive like effort. It's not a good defensive effort. Yeah, agreed, okay. especially when they're not playing with their best player. Okay. Uh, then they go to Memphis to take on a, a team that had won 10 straight. Uh, John Morant, firmly in the MVP conversation, by the way, he's playing since he came back from injury. And, again, this one, they played hard for 48 minutes. This this was a game that was, it looked like it was going to go Memphis's way. Uh, The Wolves, I think, had the lead at half uh, in this game, but Memphis kind of... Didn't the Wolves have a lead in the last three minutes? Yeah, they did. They did down the stretch. Um, It's just the bench really struggled in this game, just... Beasley and, and Nas were each one for eight. Beverly was one for nine. The big three had 84 points. They did their job. Yeah. But when, when the second unit was in, they just could not measure up. Tyus Jones playing really well um, for Memphis. That, that's a really good team. It's a top-four team in the West. But it was right there for them at the end, and then Memphis pulls away in the final minute or two and ended up winning, I think, by seven or eight. But it was 
much closer than that. That to me, that was a very strong performance after kind of a shaky yeah. performance in New Orleans. Okay. But regardless, they lose these last two on the road trip and uh, enter this game tomorrow. Now down to ninth place, which feels like the floor. Like it, they're not going to fall below nine. I, I, yeah, I'm with you. There's just a real yeah delineation between nine and ten. So you know it's, they will either make the playoffs without having to play a play-in game, or they'll be in the play-in game type situation. I think that's fair. I think we'll be playing postseason basketball. Hopefully they can avoid the play-in. That's now the goal, is to avoid the play-in. And um, got to get to, what, sixth? Uh, yes, you'd have to get to sixth. They are closer to fifth right now than they are to tenth. That's um, a good thing. So Sheen Gupta made sure we all knew that in a nice piece by Chris Hine, the Star Trib. Uh, where we got just a little uh, what's going on between the ears of the, the Wolves' boss right now, uh, because the, the trade deadline's February 10th. So it's coming up. Are they buyers in this market? They are buyers. That's what Gupta made sure he wanted to communicate. But they are not short-term buyers. They're not looking for a one-year fix. A they, guy that they, can, they want a long-term. They want a long-term guy that can add to the core. A 30-year mortgage. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that, that takes us back to you know Matt's question a segment or two ago about Jeremy Grant. Would he be a guy that the Wolves might look to? It sounds like Detroit's exploring offers for him. He's an interesting player because he's been kind of a journeyman. You know, he's been on... Four or five teams. He lands in Detroit this year, and after averaging like eight or nine points a game every year in Philly and OKC and wherever else he's been, played very well for the Nuggets. Yeah, he played very well. He, for he was a nice. He was a nice he piece was a for very them. Good player. He for wasn't them. asked to score a lot for that team because they had so many other guys. But he's averaging twenty points a game for a bad team in Detroit. Six eight. You know, he's a very athletic. Yep, very athletic. Good and defensive player. He would fit, I think, really nicely. And if they can, I think the. I don't remember the exact package that Matt shared, but it included McDaniels, Prince, Beasley, and a number one. It's a yeah. lot of players. But McDaniels, um, your guy, right? Well, I do like Jaden McDaniels, but if you know, if you want to add a significant piece to this team, you got to move somebody. And if you're not going to move the big three, what do people want? Beasley is giving nobody a lot of excitement the way he's shooting the ball right now. Career lows uh, from three. He just doesn't look like the same guy. The confidence isn't there. He's still shooting. But he's clanking them. He's just he's shooting low thirties right now from three and not giving the Wolves that lift off the bench that we really hoped and expected and needed. McDaniel's, you know, I think he's a really interesting player and I think he has a chance to be really good as kind of a three and D guy. Uh, I think he was mismanaged when they tried to play him at the four because he's just so under. You know, he's not strong. He's not bulky, and asking him to defend some of those fours is difficult. But he feels more at home as a as a three. He is probably the the most intriguing trade chip that the Wolves have. If you're looking to add a guy that can really be part of your rotation for the next three, four years, and that's kind of the window here is Cat's contract is is to try to take this team to that level while while he's on this deal. So I would absolutely explore a deal like that. If it's those three guys and a number one pick to bring in Jeremy Grant, that seems like a lot for him. But um, and they added somebody else in the deal. Uh, Corey Joseph. Yeah, Corey Joseph. Yeah, Corey Joseph. And again, adding another guard is something that this yeah. team needs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, Corey Joseph has playoffs experience. He does. Right. Exactly. Raptors, right. Yep. So, uh, speaking of the Raptors, I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot to write it down and I would have forgotten it if he hadn't said it. Did you see the Devin Booker thing with the Raptor, Raptors mascot the other night? So, they're I mean, playing. They got killed last night by the Pistons. They did. Yeah. Um, they're in Toronto and there's no fans in Toronto. I don't. I never saw why or what the story is, why Toronto had no fans. But it was an empty arena. It was back to last season. Is it COVID? I guess so. I can't imagine. None you know. of the Canadian NHL teams have fans either. So oh, is that it's, right? It's so a, it's Canada a Canada thing. thing. Okay, yep. thanks, Brett. Um, so it's 
<laughs> it's late in the game. The place is empty, and Booker's at the line with like ten seconds left or whatever. And the Raptors mascot is underneath the basket, just going crazy to distract him. <laughs> he's on the way. He's on the place. So of course, you hear him, you see him, and Booker went nuts after he missed the first one, and he basically said, "Told the refs, get that guy out of here." And the refs made the the mascot go sit in the corner and get away from from underneath the basket. I couldn't believe they made him do that. That's not a, he's allowed to be wherever he wants. Right. He's the mascot. Yeah. And Devin Booker show some manhood. Come on. You're gonna let a little dinosaur and a, a guy in a dinosaur suit like throw your game off? The big dinosaur. Well, he might be big, but I just <laughs> I found that just stunning that Booker would get all up in arms, that the officials would allow him to have his way. Um so that was uh I don't know. I I found that very interesting, very entertaining. And you know, Devin Booker Come on, man. You know, this is part of the game. You're going to be distracted when you're shooting free throws. Remember when they allowed you to have those those dizzy circle things that look like you're going into a trance kind of thing? Mm-hmm. You know, they allowed that for a while. That's about as distracting as anything in the world. Big heads, people throw. How is a, I, I get it. He's the only guy in the house, so you can't really avoid him. But, man, come on, Devin. Let's just, let's get past that. That, that was not a good look for him, I didn't think. Um, look out now. Here come the Miami Heat, by the way. 27 and 15, they've risen to second in the East, and they're still playing without Bam. I think he's due back next week. Uh, Jimmy Butler was amazing last night. You know, we talked, you you were very high on Miami coming into the season because they added Kyle Lowry. I think the biggest surprise for me is that Tyler Hero is averaging 20 points a game for this team after a you know, surprising Wait, rookie year, and then he took a dip last year. Got his mind back together. Wow. Had, a great, really run, had a great run in the bubble. All of the you know the social attention that he received after the great run in the bubble, he lost sight of what was important. He lost sight of why he became a popular person outside of basketball. And Pat he, Riley got too big or what? Oh no doubt about it. And you know, Pat Riley and and his staff you know sat him down and told him that hey you know all the other stuff that you're doing is great, but realize why all the other stuff is with you. It's because it's because of what you're doing in the basketball court. And make sure that you don't forget how you got here. And so they helped him refocus on what was the most important thing for him at this stage, and that's playing basketball at a very high level for the Miami Heat. But they have one thing in place in, in that all teams need to find success is great leadership on the floor. And Jimmy Butler has given them great leadership. That team's going to be a tough out. Uh, they get Bam back and work him back into the mix um, with Lowry being just kind of a playoff assassin. Uh, that's going to be that team you don't want to face in the Eastern Conference. And that Eastern Conference playoffs, again, is going to be killer. I think Miami's kind of replaced Boston in the hierarchy because Boston's been in the mix the last number of years. They've dropped down now. But, you know, Philly is still going to be a tough out for my money. You know, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, to me, still seem like the cream, but I think Miami is, you know, edging right into that conversation. Well, you're, you're, for Brooklyn, you're concerned about, you know, James Harden. Is he healthy? Is he interested? Is he in shape? You know, he's not the same guy that we saw a few years ago from an offensive standpoint with the Houston Rockets. So right now there's some talk in the, you know, in the New York metropolitan area uh, about whether James Harden has lost his interest or is he in shape enough or is he healthy enough to do the things the Nets need him to do come playoff time to give them a chance to win the championship. Yeah, T, when I hear a guy's lost interest and they're paying him $50 million a year, I have a hard time swallowing I, I'm with you. Really? Lost interest? You. Yeah. Making half a million can't bucks a game? Can't be done, though. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. 
Uh, we'll pause here. We'll come back. I want to touch on Gophers back in action against Iowa tomorrow, and then we'll uh, chat about the NFC playoff games this weekend before we are done as well. We roll on in the zone. The Fan. On a Saturday morning, you're in the zone. Trent Tucker and Dave Sinekin with you till the top of the hour. We've got a little breaking Vikings news. Brett, can you... Uh, I never give Brett the heads up during the long break. I throw it at him as we're on the air. It's the Richard that I am. You got the sounder for me? Thank you. Much has been made that the Vikings are going to identify a general manager before they land on a head coach. But I think this is the first report that I have seen of a person uh, that the Vikings have requested an interview with, reported on. Adam Schefter reporting this morning that the Vikings have requested permission to interview um, Buccaneers defensive coordinator Todd Bowles to be their next head coach. I think that's the first official head coaching candidate. And in a subsequent tweet, Schefter offers the interesting nugget that Todd Bowles is from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Elizabeth, New Jersey. Do you know who else is from Elizabeth, New Jersey? Mm-hmm. I know a number of guys from Elizabeth, Do New you? Jersey. Yeah. Well, the Wilfs are from Elizabeth, New yeah. Jersey. So that's kind of interesting that they're uh, looking at their hometown. You know, Todd Bowles, you know, another coach of color, longtime fantastic defensive coordinator, gets a job with a horrible franchise in the Jets, gets a couple years, and he's let go. And, you know, a, a guy that's absolutely deserving of a second chance, and maybe he's learned, again, that there's different responsibilities or that there are better franchises than the one that hired him. Uh, I do think he is going to get a job in this cycle, whether it's here or elsewhere. Um, I don't know a ton about Todd Bowles, the person, but um, I think he would be a slam dunk hire. When Brian Flores was fired by the Dolphins, I tweeted instantly that if I were the Wolves, I'd hire him before lunch. Because I think getting, <laughs> which they didn't do, but I would have, or at least I would have talked to him because I think getting a a solid defensive coach, I know you just had a defensive coach and many people think, now you got to go offense. I don't think you do. I think you just got to get somebody different. And um, I think Flores, you know, under Belichick for all those years and what he was building in Miami with without a whole lot to work with. And now Todd Bowles, you know, wherever he's been, his defense has been outstanding. And uh, for a franchise that still has some pretty darn good defensive pieces, you get a Todd Bowles in here, um, those defenders are going to be ready to run through a wall for him. So he's on the list. Well, I'm all about, you know, a coach holding players, you know, to certain standards and, and accountability. I'm, I'm, I'm all about, I'm all for a coach, you know, being tough and hard and being demanded in certain, in, in certain things that players should do. But also, you have to have the ability to, co- to connect. If you can't connect, that's a huge missing piece. You can have all the other things going for you, but you still have to be able to, co- to connect with your players. And not just the players on your side of the ball. Right. Because, all the players. Because every guy on your team has a different personality. When Brian O'Neill said that like it'd be nice to have a head coach when you pass him in the hall, that he at least 
Say hello. Acknowledges you and says hello. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, flags going up at that point. Seriously? You know, I mean, that's old school stuff. Yeah. Old school stuff. Coaches, old school stuff. They walk by you when they speak to you. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that was the Bill Parcells way. Well, and the players understood that. You know, well, right. you know, he's just that's who he is. But in today's game, you know, there's a you know, there's a different personality that you're dealing with. And yeah, holding players accountable, I'm all about that. But you have to have the ability to connect. And if you can't connect, that's a that's a major missing piece. Let's switch gears and spend a minute or two on the Gophers basketball team double T since we were last together. They went down to Bloomington and lost to the Hoosiers. Um, I was really impressed though with how they played in that game because they were down uh, eight or nine points at halftime, and they fought back again. It's sort of the Indiana M.O. this year as they just kind of fall apart in the second half. But I'm going to give the Gophers some credit, too, because they fought back, and they made that a really tough game for Indiana until the final five minutes Indiana pulled away. Mm-hmm. Um, really strong performance on the road, I thought, in a tough environment, although I will say that the, the kids were not back at campus yet in IU, and that's the case everywhere in the Big Ten this time of year, and it's it's noticeable. Uh, in the arenas when, when the kids are not on campus, that the crowds aren't quite as daunting for the um, opponents. Then they go up to East Lansing, and, you know, similar deal. It looks like East Lansing, it looks like Michigan State's going to cruise. They are up big at half, but here come the Gophers in the second half and made Michigan State go to the final second. You know, the, literally, a Hauser basket at the end of the game wins that. Just really impressed with, with Ben Johnson and his coaching staff's ability at halftime to go in and make adjustments and get his team to believe if they're trailing. This is a game where Eric Curry goes down. With an anchor injury, right? Carried off the court. I mean, just the most awful scene any Gopher fan can imagine for what that kid's been through. Now, good news is he's, like, questionable to play tomorrow. Like, he he avoided the disaster. So he's he'll be back, and maybe as soon as tomorrow. But that can just take the life out of you, right? Oh, you're up in sure. East Lansing, you're down. You're, uh, he was playing as well as anybody for that team in that game. And the fact that they lifted up and that got them to whatever it took to to really cause Izzo to go to the final seconds to win that game at home, I just speaks really well for Ben Johnson, that staff, and what they're doing with a, a, a roster that's maybe six and a half players deep. I hear you. Really impressive. They get you. Iowa tomorrow. Uh, the Hawkeyes come to town. Uh, I think they were like one and three or one and four until they um, knocked off the Hoosiers at home the other night. They don't have Garza anymore. Obviously, Frederick's gone. They still have Jordan Bohannon. Can you believe that? He has now set a record. I think tomorrow will be his 160th college game. Think about that. He still has like 15 more to play. He's been there forever. Okay. Uh, the interesting thing about Iowa, you know, they're led by Keegan Murray, player of the year candidate, averaging 20, 25 a game, really has come into his own now that all those uh, Iowa veterans have left and he's given a chance. He was in foul trouble against Indiana the other night, didn't play a lot, scored 12 points. His brother, Chris, had 29 out of nowhere. The guy's averaging, I think, like eight or nine points a game. Suddenly there are two Murrays to worry about. Uh, you got to always worry about the, the pace that Iowa plays with. Um, that can tire out a team that doesn't have depth. So I think it's going to be a tough and interesting matchup with the Hawkeyes at Williams Arena tomorrow afternoon. Well, I mean, if, if you don't have you know, the manpower to keep up with a team that likes to play fast, but then you have to try to offset them by playing a zone and slowing and slowing down their pace of play. But you play zone, and they got some three point shooters, man. But 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 also, but it keeps me in the game. So if I'm only going to play seven to eight guys, the one thing we cannot do, we can't turn this game into a track meet because it's going to wear those guys down. Mm-hmm. Sure, but if I can get back into a zone defense and, and force them 
more times than not to face a setup defense where that gives me a chance to stay in the game with a shot to win coming down the stretch. Uh, we'll learn a lot about these Gophers, I think, and how they respond. Again, we'll see if they have Curry. Again, such a, a team with no depth. You lose a guy like that, that can really make things difficult. Would have so, been a great win if they could have gotten that win in, 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 at Michigan State. No doubt. That would have been a huge win. They were, I think, 11-point underdogs, something like that. Uh, and to take it down to the final seconds where they needed a kind of a, a fluky Hauser. three-point shots. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Four three-point shots. It, uh, it was a really nice performance, and I think we'll learn a lot about how they handle uh, the Hawkeyes tomorrow. Well, I mean, they played Michigan. You know, they got down big to Michigan State here in the first game of the Big Ten yep. season, and they came back and made the game, and then they go up to Ann Arbor and, and knock off the Wolverines. So, Which doesn't look as impressive as I thought at the it's time. It's very impressive. Michigan's just awful right matter. now. That's very impressive. It's impressive to go on the road and win. Yeah, well. very impressive. But I, I regarded Michigan as a potential Final Four type team, and they're not even close to that. Well, I mean, but it's, it was a, it's still an impressive win. Because no of, doubt. Because no one gave the Gophers any chance to win any game for this year in the Big Ten. Agreed. Okay. And Agreed. you go on the road and knock off Juana Howard and the Michigan Wolverines? Big time. It's a good win. It's just, it's, it's just not right now. as astounding as, as I thought it was at the time. That's all. That takes nothing away from the win. I just regarded Michigan a bit higher at the time because I just thought they had a lot more going for them. All right, we'll pause. We'll come back. Final segment. We'll break down the three NFC wildcard games this weekend, including the gigantic one, uh, San Francisco at Dallas. Um, the Cowboys favored only in number, not by anybody who follows the NFL. The Niners are the trendy upset pick. The team no one wants to face. I already see our favorite Niner fan, Clemson Tiger guy, is on hold. We'll get his thoughts. Maybe Jamar will call as well to get uh, thoughts on our favorite Cowboys fan. This is the game of the weekend, and we'll get to when we come back. On the fan. We're back, 934, final segment in the zone on this wild card Saturday. Senior producer Brett Blakemore uh, told me another chef bomb during the break. Suddenly the team that is going to wait to look at coaches till they hire a GM is deciding to look at coaches after all. We learned a few minutes ago that they have um, requested to interview Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator down in Tampa, fellow Elizabeth, New Jersey native, along with Elizabeth, the Wolves. New Jersey. The latest, the next coaching candidate the Wolves uh, have requested permission to interview is Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. So they're going uh-huh. defense and offense, younger and older. I have to think Kellen Moore's standing will rise or fall based on what happens in tomorrow's game, right? I mean, if they fall flat, if San Francisco just destroys them at home, is he still a hot candidate? I mean, I, that's that's interesting to I've, me. I've actually got, I no kidding you, just saw another one. Add to the list. Oh my goodness! They are busy this morning. So this, so this is Tom Pelissero tweeting. Uh, uh, the Vikings requested to interview Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon for oh, head coach, wow. coaching job. Throw him into the ring. Interesting. Thank you. Are you bringing Jalen Hurts too? So wait, are they Maybe. just? Are they? Are, <laughs> I'm wondering, are they lining up these coaches and waiting until they hire a GM to actually interview them, or have they decided to start these shot. interviews at the same time as the GMs? Yeah. I suppose you can just. Feel them out, whittle the list down, and once you've got your GM, say, all right, we've identified 
whatever. Yeah, right. These three or four guys. Right. What do you and, think? Well, I think they don't want to get fall behind these other teams, right? Because the teams that aren't looking for GMs are looking for head coaches. Are looking for head coaches and can hire them at any time. And if, if they feel like they could miss out, they want to at least get their name and they're like, hey, we, we do like you, so don't jump at anything. Interesting. That that's three names in the last forty minutes that have been reported get Russell Wilson. by Schefter or dot com Tom. What's that? How can we get Russell Wilson? Well, he wants we think he wants out, but well, you got to give him Cousins back. Do they want Cousins for a year? Why not? 45 million reasons. How yeah. much time you got? Yeah. I, I'm, you'd have, P- they'd P- have P- to commit take, to P- him. P- I may take the deal. He might. They'd have yeah. to sign them to a new deal. You can't bring him in at that, that number. They might want to do that. They might. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get through these NFC games. Uh, the big one we'll do last. We've got our favorite fans of the Niners and Cowboys both holding. Jamar and Clemson Tiger Guy will get to their thoughts on the big one. We'll save that one. Let's quickly go through the other two. Starting with the first game tomorrow, Double T, is Tom Brady and the defending champs hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, one of those teams no one expected to get there. They're they're maybe a year ahead of schedule. The Eagles, um, you're saying? The Eagles. Okay. Um, they, they find their way to the seventh spot. And, um, again, you look at this and you go, seriously? Uh, Eight-and-a-half-point well, favorites. Uh, what's Philly going to do? the same thing last year with the Washington. Seriously? Yeah, exactly. Was, and Washington gave them and I, It was a game. And I think the same thing's going to be true. Yeah. I, think, I think Philly's going to give Tampa... All they can handle. I think it's a close. Heineke or Hurts? Which one did you take? Three-point game. I'll take Hurts. Obviously, he okay. can beat you with his legs. Yeah. And, and not only that, he's starting to find some rhythm with Devonta Smith, with Dallas Goddard. And what I like about Philly is you can't beat them up front. Their offensive line, their defensive line are pretty solid. And they can get after the quarterback a bit. Uh, the big question for me is going to be who's coming back for Tampa? Leonard Fournette, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, all these guys returned to practice yesterday. So are they 100%? Are they near 100%? Because if they're not, this thing gets a little dicey for Tampa, I think. They've been really good against the run for most of the year. Philly's the best running team in football. The last few weeks, Tampa's given up 100-yard games to to teams. They've not been quite as um, strong and and stout against the run of late. Miles Sanders is back from a broken hand. they got three or four guys they can roll in. This just feels like one that, that Philly sticks around in, and I don't expect them to win. Would I like them to win? Of course. Uh, give me Philly and Lambeau next weekend. That's my dream scenario, but I don't believe it's going to happen. Uh, do you see it close, or do you see Tampa kind of strutting its stuff and pulling away and taking care of business easily? Yeah, it could be a close game, but I think Tampa will win just based on the experience of Tom Brady. You know, this is a, this is a big task to ask the Eagles to go down to Tampa Bay and, and, and knock off the defending uh, Super Bowl champions, you know, led by perhaps the greatest quarterback in the history of the game. Yeah, no one outside of Philly, and probably nobody inside of Philly, is calling for this upset. I actually heard one guy, Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football, NFL Network, yesterday morning. Um, he stood up and said, I'm picking Philly to pull the prime upset. We're all going to say Monday. We should have seen it coming. Just hasn't been Tampa's year. Well, he has nothing to lose by making that statement. Well, he could look really silly if it's 41 Donut really. or something. Really. Yeah. But he gave some very cogent reasons, and, yeah. and so I, you know, I respect him to take that shot because that's – that's a pretty brave one to, to go against Brady in the wild card round. The game I've struggled with the most is the last one, the Monday night game, the, the divisional rematch between the Cardinals and the Rams. Just like the Bills and Patriots, they split and the road team won both games. Now, Arizona won early when they were off to that 7-0 and start, and they had DeAndre Hopkins, and they won like 37-20. Rams returned the favor later in the season. Um, I've struggled with this one. Watching the Rams collapse against San Francisco – really was hoping they would knock the Niners out of the playoffs. 
They let Jimmy G go 90 yards in the final minute with a bad Jimmy thumb. G is tough, man. He's okay, give but give Jimmy G some credit. I'll give him some credit, but on the road, I understand there well, were a lot of Niners fans in the G. house. Well, the Niners were hard on him too. They just traded their future to get his replacement yeah, before the they, season. They see they listen to many outside, which is people. really interesting, isn't it? That they, they many thought, outside people don't let outside people make decisions for you. Yeah, well, Jimmy G obviously has proven and shown. Lost in the Super Bowl because the defense didn't do their job coming down the stretch. Maybe he'll be the starting quarterback here next year. Oh, he's going to be somewhere. I want Russell Wilson. He's not going to be in San Francisco. I don't think. Whatever it takes to get Russell Wilson. You still want Russ? I want Russ and Russ. I trust. I'm uh, I'm taking the upset here. Uh, I'm taking Arizona. Kyler Murray's Would it be legs. An upset? Yeah, they're, they're Why? four and a half point underdogs. Nah, okay, let's, let's let's that's that's what in, that I, is what an upset say, is. But let's take the let's take Vegas out for a second. Okay, it's a road okay, team. And, and let's just say look, look at both of these teams. Right. Take Vegas out. Everybody going in zero zero. Okay, will this be an upset on paper? Yes. Why? Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Cooper Stafford Cup. hasn't won a playoff game. Well, granted, but he's played in Detroit. So the whole idea okay. was now you're going to go to a team with, and, and, and with weapons like, and, and a coach. And, and just like you said, you were very surprised to see Matthew Stafford come unglued coming down the stretch. Yeah, I was. I didn't okay, see that coming. Why, 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 why were you unsurprised? Why, <laughs> why were you surprised by that? Because I thought with why better were you coaching, surprised by that? better coaching, better weapons, better defense. It's he has the, everything around him it, right now. It, no, it's still the same person. Yeah. I don't care where you put it. Apparently it is. And it's, it's, why, it's why I picked Arizona ultimately 31-30 to pull the uh, the upset. It's yes, not an it, upset. It is an upset this double team. should be a pick em. <laughs> Well, I can, you can argue that the spread is a little off, that maybe it should be two or three. But, um, I mean, it should be no spread. Most believe when you've got the defensive best player on the planet on defense, the best cornerback on the planet on defense, the best, arguably the best one or two receivers in football. Well, you always told me a quarterback wins championships. Yeah, you are right. Okay, right. But, but Kyler Murray is 1-5 against the Rams. Uh, that only win came earlier this season. Okay. But he struggled well, against the Rams. Has, the Rams have struggled coming down the stretch. They have. Yeah, um, Arizona has two, though, double Because TV. the quarterback has made some, some he, he has played like Matthew Stafford. And Kyler Murray has been hurt. Is he healthy? Kyler I, Murray got hurt. I think Kyler's that, that, healthy that, now. That's why they struggle. He got hurt. If he's healthy, taking the Cardinals. Uh, all right, well, they... Just lost to Seattle, didn't they? I mean, they're just they're not playing well they either. At the end of the season, they didn't care. They, they could have won the division. They keeping guys. They said we got to play the Rams. That's like oh, we don't need to win the division. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the most if, if things go to plan, the winner of this game will advance to Green Bay uh, next weekend. And if that is the case, it would be on Sunday because these teams are playing on Monday. And if, if um, the Cowboys beat the 49. Correct. If things go as planned, if 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 okay. things go as expected. Green Bay will go into this game, watching this game, knowing that they are going to play the winner of this game on a short week. That, to me, outside of Philly beating Tampa, is the ultimate scenario for Green Bay, well, getting a team on a short week. Aaron Rodgers is hoping for, right? What's that? Cowboys win, and I get Matthew Stafford. Yeah, that would be okay. Packers beat. NFC Championship game, here we come. Yeah, it would be a, a nice scenario. The kind of nightmare scenario. Play the Cowboys for the NFC Championship, right to go to the Super Bowl. That'd be fun. I'll right. sign up for that right, right that's now. What would I'll take it. Okay. Um, the nightmare scenario is that the Niners become that sixth seed that nobody wants to face, that, that find their way into they the become, playoffs. They become the nemesis for you of the New York Giants. That's what they become. They do, yeah. um, because they're a team that can run the football 40, 50 times a game if they have to. Green Bay is not great against the run. Um, they've got a defense that can get after the quarterback. Um, their secondary is not very good, but if it's single degrees next weekend, as it's expected in Green Bay, it might be kind of tough to throw the ball a lot. It might be the team that runs the ball best. That's more physical. San Francisco up. makes things a bit more difficult than the other options. And that for Green toe Bay. might freeze up. And, you know, mobility may be gone by Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So a lot the, of things that go wrong. I the mean. entire world is picking this upset. This is 
This is a game that I do think should be a pick and not a three-point spread. I do think this is a toss-up. Um, it's very trendy to take San Francisco, and, and a lot of times when everybody's thinking one thing, you know, Dallas rises up and says, oh, yeah, okay, enough of this foolishness. Their secondary is terrible. That so is the difference. Dallas is a three-point favorite? Dallas at home is a three-point favorite. Okay, I see that. Um, I, I'm, Dallas should be favorite to win this game. Let's... Should we hear from our favorite fans Why of these not? two teams yeah. and see how they're feeling, get the, the pulse? Let's begin with the more measured, uh, reasonable fan. And, of course, that would be our guy, Clemson Tiger guy, our favorite Niner fan. Uh, everyone is on your team this weekend. Um, how does that make you feel, Clemson? It makes me feel like we're going to party like it's 1994, baby. Uh, <laughs> First time these two teams have met in the playoffs since that NFC Championship game. God, there were 10 Hall of Famers on the field combined in that game. Wow. I mean, just, just what a, I mean, it's hard to fathom. I mean, you guys remember the, the Niners Cowboys used to be the de facto Super Bowl in the early 90s. And then, uh, so the Packers you know, blew Dave, the party up a little bit. I was going to say, Dave's, uh, Packers wound up, uh, kind of being, uh, one of our nemeses as well. So, um, during that time frame, but, uh, no, it, 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 I'm super excited. Uh, Dave, you mentioned it. Everybody's kind of on the Niners. I, I do think the Niners are that team that nobody wants to face for some of the reasons you stated. Um, the physicality that they bring to the game, you know, that's one thing when you guys are talking about the Rams and the Cardinals and the Rams, just for whatever reason, are kind of like the bully that you punch in the mouth and then they just, you know, fall apart. You know, they just, and you would think they would have all the means to be physical and, and assert their will, but they just, they just don't. So that's one thing the Niners, and I think part of it, Dave, is they've had to kind of, you know, be grimy this season. I mean, they've played with, they, their roster got struck with injuries again, got hit with COVID at different times. So I think, there is kind of a fortitude that the Niners have. I, I will say this, guys. My two major areas of concern. One, the elephant in the room. Are you going to get the good Jimmy G or the bad Jimmy G? And frequently you get them in the same game. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you guys remember that Thursday night game against the Titans a few weeks back. I mean, he basically gave them the game and he couldn't recover. Last week against the Rams, it looked obviously very bad, down 17 nothing, but he rebounded and really was clutch in the second half, just especially down the stretch. Yep. So, I mean, that's my first concern. Second, Davey, you mentioned it, secondary. The Niners are probably as healthy as they've been uh, since the start of the season, but their cornerbacks, you know, they've got rookies getting a lot of playing time. The safeties are pretty legit, but can the cornerbacks hold up against uh, the Cowboys' passing attack? And that's why the front seven – and luckily, I, I, I think you guys would agree, the Niners have one of the more imposing front sevens in the NFL. And, and can Nick Bozo on the outside um, combined with DJ Jones and I'm drawing a total blank, Eric Armstead, my, my big guy in the middle, can they get the pressure up the gut and make Dak Prescott uh, uncomfortable? That's going to be the key to the game. So, uh, Jamar, as someone once said, how about them 49ers? And, uh, <laughs> Thanks, let, let's go Niners. And uh, Davey, I hope we do match up later on Lambeau because uh, I'm still very bitter about those fi- final 30 seconds out in Santa Santa Clara earlier this season. I get it. Uh, that makes one of us. I do want nothing to do with your team. Thanks, uh, Clemson. I'd say good luck, but I do not wish the Niners luck. Um, I think the recipe for San Francisco just has to be take the ball out of Jimmy G's hands because where Dallas is strong, 
is getting after the passer. No, Jimmy G. And still in their secondary, to, still have to have Jimmy G. Still have to perform. He's going to have to perform. Yeah, but, he has to win the, a game but by the, himself, right? But the, I'm saying the, the the playbook is run the ball down their throats because Dallas is not great against the run. Their strength is guys like right. Marcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, guys that get after the passer, and then a guy like Diggs that's going to take the ball away in the back end. Don't give him that chance. Jimmy G's going to give you the ball a couple times if he's got to make Every plays. Every quarterback may give you a chance he's, to get the ball. Right, but but he Except does it more. Guys, maybe like Aaron Rodgers. But he does it really? more than most double T. He gives the ball back to you. He he's not real comfortable in big moments. Typically, um, you can you can you can um, rattle him. So their playbook is see if they can run it down the Cowboys' right, throats. That's 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 and, and don't allow Diggs to make big plays and don't let Micah run all over the field and make Micah chase. George Kittle all afternoon and see if he can handle him. Uh, so Clemson is very confident. He wants to party like it's 1994. Uh, no one believes in the Dallas Cowboys. And Jamar, I'm going to tell you this right now. In the nearly 60 years that I've been on this planet, I have never in my life rooted for the Dallas Cowboys to win a football game. Never. It changes tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, I got the blue and silver pom-poms. It's America's team. It's Jerry Jones. It's Mike McCarthy. How about them Cowboys? Can they win, Jamar? <laughs> Can they win? How are you feeling? Are you kidding? Of course we go. Listen, I'm excited. I'm more excited than he is. Of course I am, naturally. Look, if they think that Jimmy G is someone that's going to be, that's like, listen, he's going to give us the ball more than once. Like you just said, baby, I couldn't say that quick enough. I was sitting there chopping at the bit. And that's what's going to make the difference. Look, if you think that we're not tough against the run, well, we've only had four 100 yarders against us. So, I'm picking my defense who's healthy. What's the difference? The defense is healthy and so is the offense. What has to happen is we have to play our style of football. We got to stretch the field. We got to challenge those corners, which I want to see Dakota doing that right off the bat. First, putting pressure on those corners and those safeties. And that's what our wide receivers can do, each of them. And you got a, 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 a running back, uh, two of them that can catch out of the backfield. One can block and they both can run their butts off. So am I, I'm not overconfident. I think that this is an incredibly good matchup for the first round. And, and if you ask me, I think that the win of this, these two um, goes on throughout the, the, the conference with a bold, bold advantage over everybody, even your team, baby, seriously. I think that this, whoever wins got so much confidence to go into any place and win. And that's why the Cowboys will get the job done. What would you say to those that say Dallas has beaten nobody? They went to New England, and they had to go to overtime. Other than that, I think the only playoff team you've beaten is Philly. So what would you say to the, the person that would say, well, the Niners have been battle-tested in a tough division. They've had more impressive wins. They are a more physical team, I believe, on both ends of the ball. Uh, how do you answer those criticisms? Well, look, we don't we don't pick the games. We play them as they gave them to us, and we – Eight teams the way you're supposed to. If any of those teams had to put 54 points on us, 51 points up on us, y'all have been talking about how bad the Cowboys are. Are they serious? We did what we were supposed to do. Look, the Niners, if, if, if we're going to look at those Rams games and think to take that as um, the Niners are so tough, I mean, that's their division rival. They beat him five straight times. They're in the head of the Rams. And Matthew Stafford is the quarterback. That's that what he said. That guy's never changed, he, and he will not change. He's Matthew Stafford. So I'm just, <laughs> I, this is the truth, right? So I, I think, again, if Dakota can play the style of football that he normally plays, we're going to be okay. The defense, I'm not really worried about because if you don't think that Michael Parsons can run with Kittle, listen, that's exactly what he can do. He can run up and down the field with Michael with, with uh, uh, George Kittle, and I look forward to that. So that's, I say, Clemson Tiger guy, Niners, bring it on, baby. We want to see you. 
All right, Jamar. Thanks, buddy. I enjoy the game tomorrow. That's as fun as it gets. Dallas, San Francisco. Interesting that it's a CBS game. We get Nance and Romo, despite the fact that it's an NFC uh, matchup. They must be thrilled. Romo's going back to Dallas for that one. Um, can't wait for this game. It, it's just got so many interesting storylines. And I know if San Francisco wins, everyone's going to be saying, be careful, Green Bay. You know, here they come. They're hot. They, they leaked, barely got into the playoffs. And now mm-hmm. they're rolling. They're confident. They went into Dallas. And now here they come to land. I, I'm prepared for that storyline and that narrative. Um, well, sometimes certain teams have a game plan, you know, that can work against you. And and you have mentioned, you know, you know, during this broadcast that the 49ers, if they get to Green Bay, they have a game plan that will cause you great concern. And some teams just I don't think match I said up. great concern. Some te- yeah, if they beat you. That's of the four yeah. teams that we could play next week, that's the last one I'd like to play. Right. So I'll go that far. I don't concern. have great concern. Yeah, Green Bay's great not going to lose to San Francisco at home next week. But I think it'll be a much tougher game than it would be against well, Dallas I guess or, they may or against not Arizona lose. or LA. They may not lose, but I, I guarantee you, if it's not a great concern, there's concern. You're very, you're very yes. concerned. I'm just removing the adjective. Right. I, I I, I'm not going to be greatly concerned. I, I think Green Bay is as healthy and ready as, as they can be. But we've seen it before, 15-1 and one season, they go down in flames come to New York, the first hey, game. Hey, this might be this, this this goes to the past. And you know what? Here the interesting a, parallel for that season, Double T. West Coast of the New York Giants. That was a year also <laughs> where Green Bay's tackles were hurt, all spilled most of the season, Balaga and Clifton, and here they come back for the playoffs, and they're not ready. And now here comes Bakhtiari and Turner back. And Bakhtiari got some run last week. If and they get Jimmy G, will he be their ghost of Eli Manning? I don't think so. I think I think Kittle and Elijah Mitchell and Debo, Debo Samuel might be. Uh, again, it's such a trendy pick. Everyone's picking the Niners, which gives me some hope that Dallas can hold serve. Um, you know, I'm picking the Cowboys. Are you? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. You're, you're, you're standing on an island, basically. I'll say you and Jamar. Yeah. Um, How about them Cowboys? Yeah, again, I won't be shocked at all, obviously. I, I just think it's going to have to be Dak. It's going to have to be Dak because that's the advantage. That secondary yeah, can they, be They'll have to run out. the ball because if the Cowboys can't run the football and they make the Cowboys a one-dimensional team, all of a sudden now San Francisco have put themselves in a situation to play the Green Bay Packers. You still have to have a balance to what you do. You know, we have seen throughout this time that one guy cannot win a game by himself. It's a tough pass rush. Nick Bosa and company, they're going to be coming. Uh, that one's going to be a lot of fun. Well, you can relax this weekend, yes. take a deep breath, we'll do that. You know, kick your feet up on the couch. No Packer preview tomorrow. I can sleep right. in a little yeah, you bit. Sleep in a little bit. It's all good. Go shovel some snow and do some, do uh, some got, stuff like that. I got kids to do that for okay. me. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. It's therapeutic for you. Enjoy your hockey all this right, week man. with the I kids. Brett, enjoy your wild. Good luck to them. Plenty of hockey talk coming up next with Beyond the Pond, Nicoletti, Fallness, Cast of Thousands. Double T and I are back next Saturday for a one-hour edition, getting you set for the best weekend of the NFL season, divisional playoff round weekend. We'll do it all in one hour. And don't worry, we'll talk some Wolves, too. Until then, have a wonderful weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next Saturday. Peace out. What a day.